Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome back for another month of this great podcast. I want to send out a thank you to those of you who have visited the Derek Izzy Show swag store. We are starting to sell items. You can use promo code IZZY10, that's I-Z-Z-I-1-0, and you can get your own unique items from the Derek Izzy Show swag store. There is a link in the show notes as well as a link on the top of the website, on the website banner. We have some new items that are for sale now. We've got a pillow. We've got a new Derek Izzy Show shirt as well as basketball shorts. So check out the new items, use promo code IZZY10IZZI10, and use the link in the show notes or on DerekIzzy.com. Get yourself some original swag from the Derek Izzy Show. And now, the topic of today's podcast. Spontaneous combustion is when there's some type of physical process, whether that's chemical, biological, or whatever, And combustible materials heat up to a temperature, sparking an ignition. This is common in forest fires, but it's not common in people. Today, we are going to talk about the concept of spontaneous human combustion. For there have been some reported cases of humans who have spontaneously combusted with no apparent external source of ignition. Can this actually happen? Can you be sitting in your chair and then just spontaneously burst into flames? Well, scientists have been trying to analyze this for a long time. Generally, most of the scientific evidence points to several different things, potential causes, but my question to you is, is this possible? Born on March 8, 1884 in Columbia, Pennsylvania, the topic of today's podcast grew up in a small town. She married a doctor. She seemed to have a good life going on. They had a son. As she made it through life after the death of her husband, she decided that a move down south would be the appropriate thing to do. She moved down to Florida. Expecting to enjoy life in a warmer climate, she found that she really wasn't enjoying life in Florida. But this was a move that would get her closer to her son and her grandchildren. She was living in an apartment, and it was a fairly close-knit community. The, the neighbors would check up on each other, and she had, a, she had a solid relationship with her landlord, and her son would come and visit her. She was a bit of a snowbird, 
Now, for those of you who don't aren't familiar with that, the term snowbird, snowbirds are basically people that have multiple residences, and we'll use Florida as an example. She was a snowbird, so during the summers, the warmer months of the year, she would live up north. And then as the climate got colder up north, she would spend the winter months down in Florida. By having two residences that you just bounce back and forth, you can always stay in a warmer climate. So she had planned to make a trip up north when her driver would be involved in an accident because she didn't drive herself. She actually had a driver, but due to this accident, the driver would be unable to take her this year. And she was very upset about this, but at the same time, it meant that she would get to spend the summer closer to her family. She wouldn't get to see her friends up north, but she has her family down in Florida. However, the thought of spending a summer which is going to be significantly warmer and humid, crowded with tourists. Spending the summer in Florida kind of really made her depressed. And she was taking medication for this. One of the side effects of the medication was drowsiness, but that's, that's normal for a lot of medications. A lot of medications that change your mood do have some kind of side effects on your mental health. She was spending some time with her son, On this particular night, he drove her back to her apartment around 8 p.m. The son would say his goodbyes and leave his mother. His mother was relaxing in her favorite chair, sitting there in her nightgown with a cigarette, planning on going to bed soon. Her son would leave. Now, this building where the topic of our podcast lived, there were were five apartments and one one room that was kind of just like a, a hotel room. And at the time, the only people living in the building were the topic of our podcast and her landlord. Her landlord lived in one of the adjacent apartments. On Monday, July 2nd, around 5 a.m., the landlord heard a dull thud, and it actually woke her up. She said it sounded like somebody had slammed a door, but she wanted to investigate and make sure everything was okay. So she got up and wandered around, And everything seemed normal. However, she did find that she smelled something like smoke. So she went over to her garage where there was an electric pump that had been causing problems. And she figured, you know, the electric pump's just acting up again. And it's that's where the the smell of smoke is coming from. So I'm going to turn that off before I go to bed. And she did just that. She went to bed. Later that morning, she got up and went outside to get the paper. She thought it was kind of weird that the topic of our podcast, who is normally an early riser, she used to like to wake up early and and listen to music in the mornings, but the landlord did not hear anything coming from the apartment of the topic of our podcast. Later that morning, a delivery came for the topic of our podcast. It was a telegram. The courier found the landlord, gave her the telegram, and the landlord said she would deliver the telegram since she also had the newspaper of the day. For those in our audience that don't know what a newspaper is, before news apps and 
online news existed, people would actually get their news in a paper form that was delivered to their residence every day. So the landlord now had a telegram and a newspaper, and she was headed to the apartment of the topic of our podcast. The screen door kind of felt hot, though. She couldn't get the door open. She asked for help from the courier who brought the telegram. Then she called the fire department. They looked inside. They checked the bed. There was nobody in the bed. This was very unusual. Where was the topic of our podcast? The police were on the scene. Where was the topic of our podcast? As they entered the living room, they discovered her. Kind of. There had been a living room chair where the topic of our podcast used to sit and listen to her radio, but the chair was gone. All that remained was a pile of ashes, a skull, a left foot, and part of a spine. Sitting next to the springs that were in the chair was a pile of newspapers, and yet the rest of the furniture, the carpets, the walls around the apartment, they appeared to be fine. Now, some of the appliances had suffered from the heat, and there was some soot on the ceiling, but outside of that, it looked like something had happened right in the center of the room, and this was very strange. The police and the fire department were baffled. What had happened to the topic of our podcast? One of the first theories they considered is that she was murdered somehow, Whether she was burned alive or chopped to pieces, where was the rest of her body? Did the killer come inside, murder her, and then leave and leave these remains behind? But there weren't a complete set of remains, so how did that happen? The investigation would continue. The FBI would become involved. This story would hit the news and go nationwide. During the investigation... There was evidence of extreme heat, so they knew something had burned, but they didn't really know why or how. Was it suicide? Her son had said that she was upset about her trip being canceled. Was it an accident? Was it a lightning strike? Was it spontaneous human combustion? The public got involved. Everyone offered their own unique theories as to what happened to the topic of our podcast. Was it possible that maybe a meteor came through an open window and hit her? The law enforcement community was stumped. Now the year was 1951, so the technology that exists today wasn't around back then. And many theories were discussed during the investigation. The fact that there were newspapers in the room that did not catch fire really stumped the investigators. It's almost like there was an intense heat in the area where her chair was located, and then it died out. What kind of fire would cause this, and how could this happen? This makes no sense. It almost looked like she had been cremated. The FBI was under intense pressure to solve this to solve this crime or whatever it was. After three weeks of investigating and hundreds and hundreds of man-hours, They still had no conclusion as to what happened to the topic of our podcast. Was the person who dropped off the telegram involved? Was the landlord involved? The FBI conducted a chemical analysis on items that were in the apartment. 
We know that the light switches were melted, but outlets below were intact and functioning. Candles near the fire had melted, but their wicks were still upright. A few feet from where the chair was, there were unmarked bed sheets. If you look at the kitchen, the electricity had been turned off in the kitchen, as well as this gas heater that was in the kitchen. There was a stopped clock in the apartment. The clock time showed 4.20 a.m. When they removed this clock and plugged it into another outlet, they found that the clock worked. A day after this, the coroner signed a death certificate describing the death as an accidental death by fire of unknown origin. After all the time investigating it, it looked like the conclusion would be spontaneous human combustion. That seemed to be what the general public believed. There was a lot of fear around that topic at the time. And people wanted answers, and there were no answers available in this case. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with something called the Wick Effect. After all the investigating, the final conclusion was drawn. But there were still skeptics. The FBI's overwhelming theory went something like this. They know that the topic of our podcast took sedatives before she was sitting there smoking. They believe that she may have fallen asleep while smoking a cigarette in her chair. The nightgown she was wearing was a rayon acetate nightgown, which was a common material of those times. Now, rayon is a fiber that is kind of flammable. They believe that with that material, her nightgown could have been ignited by the cigarette. She would have been asleep because of the sedatives that she had taken. But there was also evidence that there were no accelerants, like gas, to spark the fire. So how would it happen so fast? Well, the accelerant in this case was human fat. The topic of our podcast was fairly overweight, and they believe that the fat in her body increased the speed of the fire and acted as an accelerant to the fire. Between the sedatives and the smoke, she probably never felt a thing as her body just disintegrated. As they examined all the evidence, they did look at other theories. There was no evidence of a lightning strike or, or of a meteor but this was still something that they had never seen before. Here we are over 70 years after the event, and we still don't have a 100% decided on theory. But the Wick effect does seem to be, still, the most likely cause of her death. In the FBI report, they wrote, Once the body starts to burn, there is enough fat and other inflammable substances to permit varying amounts of destruction to take place. Sometimes this destruction by burning will proceed to a degree which results in almost complete combustion of the body. The floor of the apartment was cement. This cement surface likely stopped the flames from spreading to the surrounding items in the room. When we talk about spontaneous human combustion, there are still roughly over 200 unexplained burning deaths by fire that investigators have been unable to solve. Perhaps the Wick effect can explain some of those, but they still exist as unsolved cases to this day. During the investigation, 
the authorities removed items from the apartment. They found six small objects that they believed were teeth. They found a piece of metal, portion of a cigarette lighter, a white metal that they thought may have been a hearing aid, fiber that was part of the nightgown. They found particles of bone in the ashes and a shoe from the remaining foot that was not burned. Back in the 1980s, there were two famous forensic investigators that looked into this case. Their final conclusion was that body fat had melted into the chair, causing the entire body to light on fire. They believed that the left foot that was found remained there because it fell out of the range of the fire. They also explained an anomaly that investigators had struggled with. They found a piece of the body which they assumed was the skull which had been shrunken. In a situation like this, they expect the skull to explode. What these investigators concluded was that the shrunken skull that was originally found at the scene was not actually a skull, but part of the neck. They also agreed that the stuffing that was contained in the chair that she was sitting in would have contributed to the ignition of the fire, much more than her nightgown would. A study published in 2001 in the Journal of Forensic Sciences basically validated the wick effect. They did experiments on pig carcasses in clothing and then set them on fire. They found that the pig would melt into the cloth and formed a circular wick. This would burn with a slow flame for several hours and temperatures would reach over 1800 degrees before they would put them out. The portion of the pig that had burned was completely reduced to ash, including the bones, while the remaining portions were undamaged. In 1991, there was actually a real wick effect murder where a man in Oregon had killed a woman in the woods. He doused her body with lighter fluid and set her on fire. Hours later, a pair of hikers found the body, which was still burning. The entire center of the body, from the chest to the upper thighs, was nothing but ash. Could this be a case of spontaneous human combustion? There are many believers that still believe that is the case, but it looks like science has proven otherwise. One of the takeaways from this episode, if you're interested in investigating spontaneous human combustion, or you have your own theory on this event, remember, when you listen to people talk about events like this, the experts that you should listen to are the people that actually do the fire investigation and the scientists who deal with these things professionally, not people on the internet who have their own theories or authors that are trying to sell a book by generating human interest. Because the topic of today's podcast was none other than Mary Reeser, who died in St. Petersburg, Florida in 1951. Because now you know the rest of the story. Take that knowledge and take it to DerekIzzy.com. Use promo code IZZY10, I-Z-Z-I-1-0. Get 10% off the Derek Izzy Show swag store. We've got all kinds of items on there. Get yourself a mouse pad. Get yourself some stickers. Check out one of our new new t-shirts, new pillows, and new shorts. And tune in next month for an episode that will be mixed with heartbreak, happiness, accomplishment, and sadness here on The Derek Izzy Show.
Good day.